Right, so we've done a little mini-series, uh, I'm sure you've noticed, uh, about rebuilding, processing the pandemic, processing um, what COVID has meant to each of us. And we really felt at the beginning of this little three-part mini-series that we had to kind of just press that pause button for a moment before we go headlong into like the rest of our lives. I mean, we've just had a pandemic, you know, it doesn't happen <laughs> every yeah, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't happen in people's lifetime. In fact, the last time that happened was over 100 years ago, if not more. Um, so we really felt like just to slow things down, slow the tempo down, and I really hope that we kind of come with that posture today of just slowing, down, slowing things down, just forgetting about, you know, supper time or what's happening at work, what's happening in the world around us, and, and kind of just let God take center stage in our lives. And so, yeah, I, I hope you've enjoyed the mini-series. I certainly have, and there's been a lot of reflection and introspection, and there'll be a little bit more today. Okay, so I'm going to be chatting on the part about rebuilding. So, you know, kind of looking around and seeing what's broken and kind of how we put that together. The aim today is not to give you a whole lot of tools, because I really believe that you have those, but to really leave you with a whole lot of questions and, and lead us on a discussion in... Um, yeah, reflecting around internally, externally, and kind of going where to from here. Right, so can you believe on the 21st of February, 21st of February this year, only three months ago, today, just about, Prime Minister announced the end of the pandemic. Yay! <laughs> we all sort of did, it, did our dancing in the streets, uh, and more or less that was the end of the restrictions. Um, the lockdowns, face masks, socially distance meets and greets, online Zoom chats, grocery delivering, jab taking, toilet paper nabbing. Pandemic was finally over. Can you believe it? Three months. I mean, it feels like it was about two years ago. I don't know about you. And now three months later, we have pretty much forgotten. I mean, let's be honest. Have we not forgotten? No. Okay. Good. We're kind of acting like we have, though. <laughs> you know, I was like giving somebody a, a lovely hug today. Um, and we're meeting all together like this without masks. And kind of like, I was like, wow, yes. That's a, this is actually a privilege, isn't it, to, to do this again. Um, but we, we, it feels like we have forgotten. It feels a lifetime ago. And humans are strange because after such unprecedented times, we back it precedent times, aren't we? And I don't know about you, but I'm really feeling like it's business as usual, like life almost, in fact, worse than that. It's like we need to catch up over the last, you know, like everything that we didn't, didn't do in the last two years is going to happen in the next six months. I don't know if it's just me, maybe it's just me, if that's you, just give me a wave. But it feels like hectic. Um, sorry, that's like quite a South African thing, like hectic to say. But I, but I don't feel particularly happy about the speed at which things are happening. I don't know about you. I'm kind of feeling like we need to stop this train, just next platform, get off, <laughs> reflect a bit before we get back on it. <laughs> Some of us don't want to get back on the train. Um, anyone feel this way? I want to press pause. <clears throat> and I had a feeling going into this series that there was going to be quite a broad spectrum of emotions felt by this community in a post-pandemic world. 
on the one hand, we're still dealing with loss. Um, you know, we lost a family member to COVID, so it's still real for us. Um, some of us lost our health in certain ways. Some of us lost businesses, um, ways of doing things, freedoms. Some of us gained things. Some of us gained opportunities to grow. Health, we learned new skills. Sourdough bread, can I get a wave out there? My family's internally grateful for the, <laughs> the sourdough bread. I mean, if there's one thing that came from the pandemic, that was it. Uh, we slowed down. Life took on a more gentle and quieter tone, a, a new rhythm. Some of us left our jobs for new ones, uh, started that business or project that you'd always been wanting to do. But I bet there's one thing that we can all agree changed forever, and that was normality. Have you ever heard of the word norm? I'm sure some of you in your science class remember your science teacher talking about the norm when you do an experiment, like what's the base level? And it really is a scientific term which refers to the sameness of something or a group within a defined context. It's what scientists or psychologists use in experiments to measure divergence from ordinary patterns of behavior. Now, if we, look, if we were to look and reflect over the deviations from the norm of our lives pre-pandemic, I think there's some interesting things that start to emerge. So, what I'm going to ask you to do is get into sort of little huddles, three or four or more, and I've got a question to ask. And if you, do you want to do that quickly, and then I'll ask the question. And then just maybe stay in those little huddles, because there's a couple of questions that are going to emerge um, as, we, as we go through the process. <clears throat> so I'll just give you a couple of seconds to do that. Okay, so the question is, and we'll put it on the screen, what changed in my day-to-day -day life as a result of the pandemic? I love the chatting in the room, the discussions that are happening. Who wants to shout out some examples of what changed from pre-pandemic to sort of pandemic times? Just shout out some, some examples. Way we worked, work from home. Yeah, that was huge. Homeschooling. What is that, Abby? You got furloughed. Wow. Yeah, I mean, some people were like, yes, please. Wordle. That's a thing. What, okay, I'm, I'll ask you afterwards what Wordle is. Lots of people are nodding. <laughs> Going shopping at specific times with your mask on. Grocery deliveries. Yeah. If it wasn't for the pandemic, yeah. I think we can probably say ourselves we probably wouldn't be in this country as well if it wasn't for the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did you have something? Yeah, lack of freedom, sort of that homebound feeling. Yeah, cycling to work, totally. A lot of, lot of people have like ditched their cars. Yeah, not seeing family. That was bigger, especially the, um, like the care homes where you couldn't see your, you know, grannies and grandpas. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I'm sure we could probably spend all day sharing of the changes that happened. 
financial hard, hardships, broken down communication, lots of rules. Wow, this country and rules and changing rules every week. Oh, I mean, in South Africa, in South Africa, we just sort of had one rule. It was stay at home or we'll shoot you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we were, you know, like we're a bit thick. You're like, just, just give us one rule and then enforce it really strongly and then we'll listen, you know. <laughs> With this country, you know, you, you listen. We arrived here, we're just like trying to get acclimatized to the culture and it was sort of, yeah, so uh, we, we've got a new rule and we'd like to share it with you. If you'd like to, if you'd like to abide by the rule, it'd be wonderful. Thank you. We've got some scientific information. We're going to back behind this rule and we're going to, you know, we're going to do some more research as well just so that you feel completely acquainted with the scientific information behind it. And we we're just like, just tell me what I need to do. You know, I, I trust you. It's like, obviously that doesn't happen yet. Never, never mind. We're not going to go into politics. Um, so we gathered some personal information about ourselves. So what? I've got another question for you, okay? On the whole, was the change good or bad? Okay, little poll. <clears throat> Give you about 10 seconds to reflect. Gut feel. Can we lift? No, I'm just going to cross the room. Lift your hand if you felt on the whole the pandemic was, I mean, it, it was, it, a pandemic's not good, but if, if you felt personally that it was good for you, raise your hand. Yeah, like just was like like did you feel the changes were good? Change good. Okay, so and then bad. The changes were bad. Okay. Bit of a mixed bag. And then there's some people that are like <laughs> Can I get a a gad? <laughs> or like yeah, move on from there. Alright, so a bit of a mixed bag. And so then the question is like I'm so I'm sitting in front of you here and we're talking about rebuilding something. So, like, the question should be, why rebuild, all right? We, we, we're kind of not sure if there's actually anything to rebuild here. And, and what exactly is broken? Good questions, right? Like, if it ain't fixed, don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, swap those two around. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And some of us are like, hey, I really don't need to rebuild anything. Thank you very much. My life improved with the pandemic. Some of us, that's true. And can I just say that again? Your life improved with a pandemic. <laughs> like, if we just reflect on that, I mean, where, where, where were our lives before if it took a pandemic to improve them? So back to the questions, I'm digressing. Why rebuild and what is broken? So when um, many of you are familiar with architecture, when an architect first looks at a uh, plan or a building, or looks at a building um, to do some renovation work or whatever to investigate, they will first thing they will do is look at the plans for the building or the blueprints. These plans show the building and structure as they were or should have been. So let's take this a step further in your groups. And I want to take this a little bit deeper, if you don't mind. And I want to ask the question, what does your personal blueprint or your personal plan look like? Maybe some other questions. What is the plan for your life? How do you live? Or how do you currently build your life? I'm going to put the questions up there. Were those there? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So the extra questions are, let me just repeat them. What's the plan for your life? How do you live? How do you currently build your life? And so maybe just in your groups, just a quick little question. 
Some of you are looking at me like, <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me a, you know, just what comes to mind straight away. How do you build your life? What's, what does that look like for you? So I acknowledge that as a deep question, and <laughs> the reality is we're going to be spending our whole lives working out that question, aren't we? Um, were, were all of you able to answer it? Kind of vaguely, <laughs> yeah, the, it's like kind of yes, maybe, no. If you said no, that's okay, and there's probably a reason for that. Maybe you haven't thought about it. Maybe it's too complicated, or you're like, Ryan, that's way too deep. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about today. Today's enough for me. Thank you very much. Maybe you don't care. Or maybe you don't need one, you say. Somebody's told you how to live your life. <laughs> but no matter what the answer, if you don't have one, I've got good or bad news. You are given one by default. <laughs> You're like, uh, what? <laughs> in fact, you are living according to a blueprint right now. There's a plan in place that you're living your life to. <laughs> Ryan, you've gone too far. You've, or you've lost me. But it's true. You are living in our culture's blueprint right now. Our culture's way of life. Our culture's plan. And if you don't believe me, just cast the thought back to when you were little. And think of how your parents lived. Hmm. Very different to us now. Yes, you might say that's down to technology. But there were ways that they were living that were very different aside from technology. The ways that they thought were very different aside from technology or the times. And it was different because that's culture. If you think about the 60s. In England, the culture is different to China. And in our city, it's different. If we're honest, Gloucestershire, Gloucester is different to Nottingham or Edinburgh, for that sake. And it affects us. We've certainly felt the effect of England on us being Africans. And so let's discuss this question in our group, okay? And I think that's the last question, right? Last one. All right, last little push, last little effort. What does our culture's blueprint look like? Okay, so looking at culture's blueprints, our culture's blueprints, Gloucestershire or the UK, 2022, 2021. Interesting question. Is it, is it getting you to think? Like, has anyone ever asked you that question before? Like, what, what, are, what, are the tr what, is, our, what is the plan around me? Um, yeah, shout out some thoughts that you guys were having about what, what culture is kind of throwing at us. Efficiency. Yeah, control. Yeah, centralized control. Hmm, interesting. Very. Cons consumerism. Yeah, at the back there. You're going to have to shout at me, Ab. <laughs> Wine and cheese. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. Sort of, maybe a, maybe a follow-on from that, a distrust in our leaders. That's kind of crept in. A lot of people I've been speaking to have just been like, mm-mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't trust these people. Yeah, dog eat dog. Any, any other thoughts? Group of in the back here. Hmm, mixing with people that look like you. Maybe like sort of cultural polarization. Yeah, I mean, certainly if you think about some of the other trends, you know, the, 
like mass globalization of stuff, if you know, just think about how resources are not being shared, the sort of whoremongering, the fear that's gone with the pandemic. Fear levels have driven decision-making. Tribalism. Tribalism, absolutely right. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going, going on outside there, and there's probably more we can chat about what happens in Gloucestershire. So we, we've got some idea about our personal blueprint, and we've got our cultural blueprint, but where do we go from here? I mean, Ryan, please lead us somewhere today. Um, and surely this, there, there must be wisdom on this. Um, if you look on the internet and you try sort of type in life plan or life blueprints, I mean, there will be this hundreds of thousands of articles and, you know, information out there. But I thought I would take a picture, uh, sorry, I thought I would take a page out of the teachings of Paul. Now, if you've heard of Paul, Paul was a lawyer that hunted Jesus followers. He did. Uh, and he encountered God in an amazing way and became a follower of Jesus himself. And I'm just going to share something out of what he wrote in a book called Romans to the Roman Church. And it's from verse 12, sorry, chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I mean, I've read that scripture countless times, but what stood out to me today is like being able to test and approve what God's will is. I mean, were we even allowed to do that? <laughs> like, if someone came to you and said, you may test and approve what God's will is. There's permission there from Paul. So as we begin this process of rebuilding our lives, good or bad, let's start at the right place. Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Have you heard this truth? A thought precedes an action. An action precedes a... Habits, and habits precedes, or habits precedes life. So we should really be paying attention to how we're thinking about things. <clears throat> there's, another, there's another part of the Bible called Matthew, who records the words of Jesus. And I'm going to read them. It's from chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Did you just hear that? He said, build your house on the rock. And we've kind of just gone, sounds good, I'll go for that. Have you ever built something on a rock? <laughs> like, I've built, I mean, I've built some houses before. I, ne I never started with a rock. But I'm sure you've built some things on sand. I mean, all the grandpas out there, grannies lift up their hands. Mums and dads, you built sandcastles. We've all, kids, grown up with sandcastles. But buried in this passage are these words. Everyone who hears these words of mine, think thought, 
and puts them into practice, think action, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Think habits, think your life. So I know your, I know your next question is, what words? Put these words. I mean, in one of sort of Jesus' sweeping statements, like he always does. What words? The words in the chapter? The words, you know, before he made, he sort of was sharing that? The words that came after? The words in the Bible? The reality is that if we're reading this book or this chapter or this story to look for that catch-all principle by which to live our lives, we've missed the point. Because Jesus wasn't offering this one principle on highly effective living. He was asking something way more drastic, way more sacrificial, way more life-altering. That our life's blueprint was broken. The plan that we had, whether ours or inflicted on us by culture, wasn't stable, it wasn't right, it wasn't secure, and that he wanted to give us a new one. John Randall, a surveyor born in New York City, USA, was tasked with resurveying the streets of Manhattan Island, New York City. Now, if, if you've been to Manhattan, anyone been to New York City, yeah? You'll know on, Man, on Manhattan Island, there are the longest streets and the longest avenues and this perfect sort of grid that was laid out over the city. Watch the story. place his bolts by the 19th century everyone knew that Manhattan Island needed a master plan they just had a commission and they chose three commissioners who came up with the idea to make Manhattan Island a grid it was finished in 1811 but by 1808 John Randall, a surveyor, had already started making a plan for the island that the commissioners followed. Randall went to all the planned intersections. Of course, there was nothing there but wilderness and a broken topography, which meant rocks and hills and valleys and swamps and, you know, all covered with vegetation. It wasn't the beautiful, flat, even Manhattan that we know today. And so, with his instruments, many of which he developed himself, he was this precise as um, you could get. He did it from Lower Manhattan all the way up to 155th Street. It was over 1,000 intersections of placing either an iron bolt, if that intersection had a rock, such as we're standing on here, or if it was ground, he had over a thousand marble monuments placed that were three feet high by nine inches. It took Randall over 10 years to place his bolts. He had such frustration because imagine that you're a farmer and this man comes along and tells you that a street is going to go right through your farmhouse and an avenue in your pasture with your cow. He would put down a peg he would leave and they would rip it up. Or they'd throw vegetables at him or they'd have dogs chasing him. So he had to redo 
almost everything that he actually did. The one bolt that we know of that is in Central Park is exactly at an intersection. The bolt was found in 2004. As far as we know, it is the only bolt that's known. Isn't that just incredible? <laughs> ten years, a ten-year project, and he was tasked with uh, putting these streets up. The story goes that he would walk into some of the landowners' houses and drive survey pegs through their living room floors. <laughs> Can you imagine someone coming into your living room and going, we're going to have a street here now. Uh, sorry for you. So we're all wondering what John Randall has to do with Jesus' words, I'm sure. And I can see some of you are like, ah, I can see where you're going with this, Ryan. When Jesus was talking about building our lives on the rock, he was beckoning us not to find some magic wave your wand formula for living for God. He was inviting us into being his disciples. He was inviting us into a relationship. Disciple is a fancy word for being an apprentice of Jesus, a learner. He wants us and he wants to show us. I really believe in this time, God's got us in a resurvey moment where we're reflecting over the ordinary patterns of our lives, the streets that go through swampland, the, the, the places that are just awkward, you know, those patterns in our lives that are just don't produce the fruit that we want. And God is calling us deeper to rearrange some of those. Some of us, it's going to be a stake in the middle of our living room. For some of us, it's a slight readjustment. And if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus and you're just visiting because your wife or your friend invited you and you were just, what the heck, then you are off the hook. But if you're a follower or you are sort of leaning in today, Jesus beckons us deeper. There's a book written by Mark, and Jesus has these words in Mark 8.34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. I know, another weird reference, right? Pick up your cross. Like, what is a cross, and how do I pick it up? And I know a lot of us understand that, but the cross that Jesus was speaking of is a wooden structure. It's a tool, it was a tool of Roman execution. They nailed the offender with metal stakes into the cross, and the person had to wait to die, usually in front of a crowd of onlookers. Jesus was foretelling the mode of his death, and at the same time, inviting us into the death and a new life and a new blueprint. So I wonder if we could just, um, if I could just ask the worship team to come up and if we could just have a time of response today. And I know you're like, Ryan, thank you for all of this revealing information about blueprints. Wonderful. But I hope that it's stimulated you to ask questions about your life. And that was the intent today. I didn't want to give you tools because I really believe that God has given us the tools, that has, God has given us the ways that He wants us to walk, that the information is there, but He's wanting us to be hungry and thirsty for that change. So what can we do with this picking up our crosses seems to be the question. Well, 
It means coming under something. When they walked with the cross, when Jesus walked to the cross to the place that he was executed, he came under something. For some of us, it's about starting to carry something, to carry a burden or a weight for something that's significant or that God wants you to carry. Find your thing to start caring for me. And so as we round off this discussion about building blueprints, God and rocks, I want to give us kind of maybe three ways or three, three, three sort of groups that we're in. If you've never been a follower or an apprentice of Jesus, and this is like, hmm, this is new information for me, never heard that before, I'd like you to come afterwards and I'll share some information with you and maybe we can pray or, you know, we can just chat about it. Or maybe you're midway through your journey as an apprentice or follower of Jesus. And you thought you were a disciple, but you feel like you maybe went off course, that you're in one of those swamps that they were talking about earlier. Or maybe you just want something real, you want a plan, a direction. Then I want to say to you, God cares, and He's got hope for you in spades. God wants to lead you and teach you. He wants to come in and do some resurveying. And lastly, maybe you're all right. Maybe there's more to carry for you then. Maybe God is asking you to carry a bit more. Maybe there's a deep work that He wants to do in your foundation. Maybe there's a resurvey because He's got big plans that He has for you.